I want to briefly preach a message this morning entitled, The Wedding Banquet. We're having a banquet here today, and while it is a Christmas banquet for all intents and purposes, and we've invited everyone we could invite, there is a sense also in which it is a wedding banquet. The Bible talks about a great wedding that will take place at the end of the ages, but Invitations are an important thing. We see that in high society, in celebrity events, uh, on social media. Everyone who's anyone always wants to get invited. Everyone wants to be able to show up in their glitz and in their glamour because being invited is an affirmation that they arrived. Being invited is a status statement. And so we often see these glittering galas, whether it's Oscars or uh, award events or whether it's a celebrity wedding or a royal affair, we are mesmerized on TV watching all the effort that goes into it and we watch the privileged people who got the invitation. But we never get to see the smarting and the hurting of the people who expected an invitation and didn't get one. There's the agony of not being invited. And somewhere, sometime, all of us have felt the agony of rejection. Life isn't always kind. Life is sometimes harsh. And it can be cruel. And every one of us have experienced the pain of a rejection, one form or another. In fact, I don't think it's possible to go through life in reality and not have been broken several times along the way. I know that I'm talking to everybody because I've come to a conclusion in life and the conclusion is this, most of us are like the rest of us. Can I get an agreement? Turn to somebody. Now normally on a Sunday morning you're turning to your left or your right, but this is a little bit north to south or front to back. Turn to somebody and say, he got that right. (laughs) Most of us are like the rest of us. And there have been times where We expected an invitation, and we didn't get an invitation. There have been times where we just wanted to be in the group of friends, and we were the person left out. There are times where we were the hopeful bride or bridegroom potential, and someone didn't see us the way we would have wanted them to see us. And then, of course, As is so common today, there's the devastation of broken relationships. We look at these galas and celebrities and these special events and with great fanfare and enthusiasm, we watch these things, we follow them on social media. But there are always those who don't get invited and there's always a sense of disappointment and rejection. As I said, some people will do anything they can 
in high society to make sure that they make the list because that list affirms them. That list lets everyone else know they made it to that arena's estimation of the cream of the crop. There's going to be a wedding. The Bible says that at the end of this age, when humanity finally spirals completely out of control, that God will throw a wedding for his son. And what I love about this wedding is that there isn't a nationality, there isn't a personality type, there isn't a color of skin or a financial bracket of humanity that will not receive an invitation. You see, we are about to celebrate Christmas as we come to the close of this year because Christmas is the statement that God so loved the world, he became one of us and was willing to walk through this hard, dusty place just like us, suffer the rejection, suffer the discreditation that all of us go through at times in life. God so loved us, he became one of us and paid a price to redeem us from spiritual forces of darkness so that he could reconnect us with himself. I am so glad that I am not only or was a long lost son, but I am so glad that there is a God in heaven who loves simple people so much, simple people like me, that he would risk everything and do everything and give up everything just to have relationship with us. If that's on your table, come on, give the Lord a shout. The last book of the Bible is a book called Revelation. John, one of the apostles, the one that was renowned to have been a real softy in the character of the 12 disciples. He was the last to die of the original 12. All of them died as a martyr except for John. John was banished to an island called Patmos where they put political prisoners and there he was under guard in prison on an isolated island that no one could escape. And while he was there, not losing his faith in God, not losing the reality of what he encountered in Jesus Christ, God allowed him to be taken up into a vision. And he started to see what is now written down as the book of Revelation, a unfolding of events yet to come and in the middle of this vision in the middle of this visitation John who while all of his peers had been martyred for believing in Christ they had been martyred for preaching this gospel John who met Jesus personally and was of a sound mind and yet refused to relent on the truth that he saw even in the light of martyrdom being a very real possibility for him. He held on to this faith in Christ. He saw the lives that had been changed and healed by the preaching of Jesus' name. 
And in his last days, the Holy Spirit took him up into heaven and God allowed him to see across the future of humanity. And John started to pen these things down and I want to read one short passage from Revelation and that is in chapter 19, verse six to nine. This is what John is seeing with his eyes. If you read the verses before, he is surrounded by a huge multitude of people giving worship to God. And he says the sound of it was so powerful, it was like a reverberation of many waters. And they're worshiping God. And he says in verse 6, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. He rules, he rocks, he's in control, he's in charge. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him the glory. Give him the time he deserves to be recognized. Give him the accreditation for all the good things and all the times he tries to intervene in our lives and meet with us. Give him glory for all the times he protected us from near death or certain disaster. Give him glory for the moments we're not even aware of, that we took a next breath so easily and so casually, and yet he had sent an angel to protect us. And they were worshiping God and says, give him glory. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has been made ready. When Jesus came to earth, his cousin John the Baptist saw Christ. And as he was preaching, he said, behold, this is the lamb of God. Every one of us have heard the expression sacrificial lamb. Well, Jesus Christ came not to be a celebrity. He came to be a sacrificial lamb. He didn't come to be benoted. He didn't come so that he would have fan clubs. He came so that anyone who was suffering, anyone who was hurting, anyone who was broken through life's irregularities, he could become their sacrificial lamb and pay a price so that when we believe on him, he could send his spirit into our heart to reconcile all those fractured pieces. You know what I'm talking about. Every one of us. But you know what I'm talking about. I don't know you. But the spirit of God just caused my eyes to lock upon you. And the pain and the hurts from the past, God wants to visit with his love and carry you through into the future. He loves you and he cares about you and you're important to him. And it's not a mistake that you're here today. You are here by a very special invitation. And while in your own mind you didn't think you'd be able to go, come, God ordained it that you would be here because God is tapping you on the shoulder. He loves you and he cares about you. Does that resonate in your heart? Amen. Jesus Christ came to be a sacrificial lamb. He came to pay a price so the powers of darkness that really rule this 
clapped out world behind the scenes would lose their right over our lives. We think that earth is governed by people in high places. I want you to understand that the Bible makes it clear our wrestle isn't with flesh and blood. Our wrestle isn't really with the people we see. Our wrestle is with spiritual entities behind the scenes. Jesus referred to the chief of those entities as the thief. And he said, the thief has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. And all you have to do is go back five years in your memory, and you will find places in your memory and places, mild markers in your life, where some kind of thief came and emotionally robbed, stole, and destroyed things in your family and in your personal life. Jesus said, the thief has come to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I have come like the good shepherd to give life and life more abundantly. You see, John the Baptist hailed Jesus, and he said, behold, this is the Lamb of God. In the Hebrew culture, in the Hebrew faith, they would take an innocent animal and sacrifice it for the sins of the people. Every family would bring an innocent lamb to have their sins and their guilt and their shame passed on to the innocence of an animal. It was all symbolic because God had always intended to become one of us and as a human being to pay the ultimate price for everybody's failure. Now, without you looking around the room and keeping your eyes fixed on me, I can assure you, there are failures in the book of my story from the first page to the last page. And I can promise you that before I leave this place, I'll add a good half a dozen failures probably. But by the power of God and through the grace of Jesus Christ, I intend to add a whole lot more victories than failures. Can I get an amen? Now, I've said what I just said, not to bring myself down, but to help you understand that I'm no different than you. I don't perceive for one moment to be any better than any person in this room. There's one thing that makes us all equal, and that is that we are flesh and blood. There's a second thing that makes us all equal, and that is that we hurt. And there's a third thing that makes us all equal, and that is that we've made mistakes and we've screwed up. And there's a fourth thing that makes us all equal. We've been the subject of other people's mistakes, and we've been screwed up. God so loved the world that he chose, he decided from before the foundations of the world that even though this place would spin out of control, God so loved what he created that he decided to come to earth, be born in a manger, hence we celebrate Christmas, but he was born in a manger to die on a cross so that anyone, who would be simple enough like a child to believe in their heart that there is a creator and that this creator is so fascinated with us and actually loves us so much that he would pay the punitive price for us and put himself on a cross so that if we exercised a simple thing called faith, 
and put our faith in him, he would put his spirit in us and his seal of redemption. Amen. So we've all heard the phrase of sacrificial lamb and maybe at times you've had to play the role of a sacrificial lamb. At times, maybe you've had to be the bigger than everyone else person and take it under the chin. Sometimes we don't offer ourselves as a sacrificial lamb. Others do. We have a phrase for that, being thrown under the bus. Ah, turn to the person behind you and say, yeah, I know what he's talking about. We've all been thrown under the bus somewhere, somehow, But Jesus willingly threw himself under the bus. When he stood before Herod and Pontius Pilate, he was asked, don't you realize? Come on, give me proper answers. I've asked you, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus would say, that's what they say I am. And he was asked, don't you realize I have the power to take your life? And Jesus accurately and correctly answered and said, you don't have the power to take my life. I lay my life down. He saw Rob Scarallo and he said, I will lay my life down. He saw you. He saw your neighbor. He saw the person next to you. He saw the most broken of every one of us. And God in his heart screamed, I will lay my life down so that I can give them life and life more abundantly. It's little wonder that on the eve of his birth, angels gathered in a field and the lowest of society, common shepherd boys, were visited from heaven and the angels said, rejoice, good news for mankind, peace on earth through the Savior, Jesus Christ, for today a Savior is being born. Yes, this is a Christmas banquet. Yes, everyone's invited. But this is also a wedding banquet because the Bible says that from the masses of humanity, everyone who receives this good news and accepts Jesus Christ, accepts God the Father and the sacrifice that he made, we become washed up, cleaned up, straightened up. We become chosen and made precious. And together, every one of us, as broken individual pieces come together and form the body of the bride that's gonna be presented to Jesus Christ. You see, God didn't just love us enough to buy us and put us on a shelf. There are some things that I've bought and I use them as, as uh, memories or pictures that I put on a wall. But God actually loved us so much. He said, I want intimate relationship with you. And he prepares us as a bride for his son. And so John is getting a, a peekaboo at what's gonna happen at the end of the ages. And he says, let us be glad and re- 
Rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Verse 9, then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. Blessed are those that are called to be part of the bride. Blessed are those that receive the invitation and respond. The irony of this is that God so loved that whosoever, God sent an invitation and is sending invitations to any and every living, breathing being. But the only people that are here are the people who respond to the invitation. When any invitation is given, the only people who show up are the people who respond and say yes to the invitation. Knowing this to be a final event that will culminate at the end of the ages, Jesus, while he's here on earth, referred to this event. And he gave a parable Now, I often say here on Sunday mornings, parables aren't just little ditties. They're not just stories. They are stories using human elements and human scenarios. But the purpose of a parable is that that story parallels a truth in heaven that God wants to bring to our awareness and to our lives here on earth. So every parable... It's not a fairy tale, it is a spiritual principle, it is a spiritual truth, it is a spiritual dynamic that God wants to bring into the relevance of our day-to-day living. And so I wanna share with you a parable of the wedding banquet that Jesus refers to. And in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 22, Verse 1 to 2, it says, And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables, and he said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. He sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready, come to the wedding. But they made light of it, and they went their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his servants and treated them spitefully and killed them. And here Jesus is running a parable to parallel a reality that needs to grab our attention. And the reality is that there is gonna be a wedding feast in heaven. The reality is Jesus Christ is coming back for his bride. Everyone who truly accepts him as their Lord and Savior. It's not based on your good deeds, it's based on his good deeds. The thing that qualifies us is that God loves us. The next thing that qualifies us is that we're all broken and we're all included in the list. And the final thing that qualifies us is that we say yes 
to the sacrifice Jesus made and accept him as our Savior and as our Lord. So Jesus is telling this parable, but you can see from what I read in Revelation, it is a parallel to a reality in heaven that God is wanting to make us understand here on earth. And how typically correct and how correctly it typifies humanity. Here's the king sending out his servants to invite anyone and everyone who had one excuse and who had another. Can I tell you something and let me assure you of this? And in the hobnobbing realms of society, it is cutthroat to be on that invitation list. And anyone and everyone who thinks they're someone is determined and convinced in their mind that they better be on that list. And no one would miss it. Because being on that list means you made it. Being on that list is a statement to the rest of the snobs that you are accepted and you're among the elite. Being on that list is a status statement. Isn't it sad that it's a list that gives some people a sense of identity and self-worth and that they can't find self-worth in who they are for what they are. I love the fact that in Christianity, God preaches a message to us that redeems us from a negative perspective and tells us of our great worth and our great value. If you were to ask me what is Rob Scarallo worth, I would say to you that he is worth the darling of heaven. He is worth the son of God because that's the price that God put on me. And that's the price God put on you. He didn't pay a premium to get a preacher. He paid the same price for me because I was as broken as everyone else. God so loves the world, he pays one price. We're all worth the same to him. And that worth is everything. Thank you, Russ. My response to that is the truth is easy to tell. Amen. Friends, whether you're part of this church, whether you've accepted Jesus Christ in your heart as your Lord and Savior or not, maybe you're a visitor and your, your head is still spinning. Maybe your stomach's growling and you're thinking, when are they going to get to the food? <laughs> Whatever the case may be, I'm not offended but let me speak to you while your stomach is growling. I'll have more tension from your mind while your stomach's empty. That's why I go first. <laughs> Somebody around here is smart. <laughs> they tell me what to do and I just follow. But let me assure you, 
everyone's invited. And in this parable that Jesus shares, in the story where he opens up his heart and he's speaking to humanity, recorded for all of us to read, we see so typical of humanity that while people want to make the A-list of society, when God comes calling, we throw his calling card on the ground. Isn't it amazing, the most auspicious occasion of the universe? I don't know if you're into superheroes, if you like watching the movies that come out. I personally do. Never read comics as a kid, so maybe that's why I'm fascinated by the movies. I love watching the superheroes. Thor is one of my favorites. Anybody here like Thor? Yeah. Maybe because the main actor is from Australia. The thunder from down under. <laughs> but you see a banquet in his palatial residence, his father's house. The galaxies come together. It's amazing that people will kill, people will lie, people will steal, people will throw their best friend under the bus to make it on the A-list of society to get an invitation. And yet Jesus is telling a story, a parallel of reality that God could come knocking and so often we won't even notice he's at the table. God will come knocking in the form of a friend or a relative and give us an invitation and we pause, we hesitate, we think about it and finally maybe decide, eh, not worth my time. And yet, if our famous Tom Brady will invite us all to a special dinner to celebrate the fact that he is the Goat, the greatest of all time. We would be willing to pay $100 a head to sit down at a select table with a select group of people. And if he offered for us to go for absolutely free, we'd run anyone over on the road that got in our way. But this isn't the banquet of the goat the greatest of all time. This is the banquet of the Lamb. Amen. And what makes him so great is that he found a cause greater than himself and lived for it. And that cause was to save and rescue all of humanity. Not hard, not hard, receiving the fanfare for being the greatest quarterback. I mean, how hard can it be when you have Super Bowl ring after Super Bowl ring? How hard can it be when you're living in a $30 million mansion and I'm not trying to take anything away from him. I'm running another parallel to this parable that while Tom Brady might be the greatest of all time, and they use the synonym is the goat, Jesus the Lamb of God, 
is forever the greatest of all time. Not for what he accomplished for himself, but what he gave up to accomplish for anyone who will believe. Luke picks this story up. Luke was a doctor. He wasn't one of the original 12 disciples. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and he wrote the book of Acts. A very studious man. He was a physician, a learned man, knew multiple languages. And so Luke came along and started to interview all the personages that played a role during the life of Jesus. And he writes down and he repeats this parable uh, in a very precise way. Luke always goes into greater detail. Any story that you will find in the other gospels, Luke will usually have added details because that was his temperament and his personality. And when he tells this story, he actually gives some of the reasons people gave for not showing up to the wedding. And it says, uh, <clears throat> but they all with one accord began to make excuses. And the first said to him, I've bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. One man turned around and said, hey, I just bought a new house out in the Hamptons. Haven't been there yet. I know the wedding's this weekend and I've got all year to go visit my house. And yeah, I understand it's snowing out there on Long Island, but I really wanna go see the house even though I could do that in better weather. I'm going to give the wedding a miss from God. There are things in life that catch our attention. And then when those things in life go wrong, we try to catch God's attention. But what amazes me is that all through my life, God is wanting to catch my attention and wanting to catch your attention. You can read on social media about all the Oscar snubs and the Academy snubs, and yet the greatest snub of all is when the creator of the universe was willing to lay down his life to give us life and wants to sit with us usually not in the height of our celebration but in the crap of our mess. We don't even have the sensitivity to feel him tapping us on the shoulder. I'm so glad you're here today. For whatever reason you came, you said yes to this invitation. But there's another invitation. Yes, we're going to entertain you, get the music playing, play games, give you some good food, deep fried turkey, <laughs> spiral spiced ham, fresh cooked vegetables. Pastor Carlos and Pastor Tom and myself uh, spent most of the day, Friday, deep frying over, I think, nine turkeys. After a while, the conversation between us was nothing much more than just gobble, gobble. 
Yeah, I'm glad you responded to this invitation. But there's a more austere invitation that I want to give you today. And without any fanfare or polish, but from the honesty of my heart, I've been around long enough and talked face to face to enough colors of skin to know that every one of us hurt and every one of us need hope and every one of us is God-loved. And maybe you've heard the words God-damned over your personhood, but today God wants you to hear the words God-loved because he loves you. And he cares about you. And you're important to him. I'm so glad you accepted this invitation. I am so glad that you're here to break bread with me, to break bread with us, to eat of our food. I'm so glad that you graced this place that we affectionately call Grace and Faith Church. But I pray above all things, that in a moment as I give you the opportunity, that if you have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, if you've never gone just beyond church or religion, if you've never heard Jesus preached like this before, I hope that something is clicking and that in your heart the Spirit of God is speaking to you. You see, I've made plenty of mistakes. <laughs> I'm not the preacher because I've lived the best life. I'm the preacher because God gave me his best life. And he wants to give you his best life. God so loved the world that whosoever, whether you have a pristine life, a clean record, or whether you've been in and out of the jailhouse like a fast food restaurant, God so loves. He understands how life has a way of breaking the best of us. People made all kinds of excuses. One man said, well, I just bought a herd of 10 oxen to pull my plows. Just bought a Ferrari. Need to take it out for a spin. Can't go. You see, today, as I'm closing right now, yes, yeah, so I'm closing I just heard somebody say food. <laughs> now, if you keep saying good preaching, I'll keep going. <laughs> then we'll have a revolt. Yeah, as I come to a close here today, as I make my final comments and remarks, I'm not trying to build the membership of this church. I'm trying to build the fellowship of heaven. See, heaven isn't made of perfect people. Heaven's made of people that God loved perfectly. And he helps to perfect us. Christianity as a religion, in my estimation, as a religion, it stinks. But Christianity as a relationship, the way it was always meant to be, it's pretty incredible. You see, nobody has to live with me the way I have to live with me. 
And I can get up here every Sunday and usually do. And I'm fortunate because you get to see me when I'm clothed in God. In other words, you get to see the best version of me. I still live with me. And I know all of my peculiarities. In fact, I know, at least I'm honest with myself, I know my weaknesses. I know where I break. I know where I'm broken. I love this gospel because it gives hope to anyone who will believe. It gives hope to anyone who will reason within their hearts, if there is a creator, surely he's gotta be better and a better version than us. And if there is a creator, surely he must understand how tangled and confused and hurt we get. And if there is a creator and he created us, even if we didn't come out the way he had hoped, There's got to be more compassion in him than in the most compassionate, broken human being. See, sometimes religion, which was meant to show God, often shows the wrong face of God. But when you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, all the rules and regulations become absolutely incidental and it's the one-on-one he gets me he gets me you see I preach this gospel as passionately as I do because I know me and I know the bits I like and I know the bits that I'm still working on and I know the bits I don't like and I preach this gospel passionately because I know every day of the week, whether I'm having an up day, a down day, or just a downright bad day, God loves me and he's cheering me on and he believes in me and he's vested in me and he's releasing his Holy Spirit to get inside of me and pick me up and show me that there is hope. I love this gospel because I love this God that I have come to know. Nobody gets me the way he gets me. And no one will ever get you the way God gets you. And so, yeah, I'm closing. Every salesman makes a close to make a sale. But when he closes to make a sale, he benefits personally. I'm making a close to make a sale so that you benefit personally. I don't get paid by how many people respond. I'm on a flat rate. That is the abundance of God. To have favor with him is to have everything. That's right. I've been preaching over 40 years. I think I'm a little intelligent. If I didn't believe my own story, I wouldn't still be telling it. I love this gospel.
because I love this God. I love this Jesus. And I'm sorry for what some institutions have made religion to be and made Christianity to be. But today I want you to see Jesus. Today I want you to see the God who really understands us and loves us. And so right now, as I come to the close, Jesus said he stands at the door of every person's life. He stands at your next breath. Moments come in circumstances and God is often in those moments and those circumstances. And in those moments and in those circumstances, God is trying to reach out and touch us and let us know and sense and feel the reality of Him so that we could come into the reality of relationship with Him. And there have been times in your life if you've never responded yet to the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you've never yet, I don't care how many churches you've joined, they're going to burn down and so will everything else. But if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, it's what he died on the cross for, relationship. Do you honestly think that if there's a creator of this great cosmos, that he's into rules and regulation and religion? Or do you think he's into the fascination of relationship? God so loves you. That he wrote your name on his heart and on his hands. And when they nailed his hands to that cross, your name went before him. And he said, it's worth it, it's worth it, it's worth it, it's worth it, it's worth it. I wish, for those of you who don't know him yet, I wish I could take you inside my life. I'd be happy for you to see the ugly of me so that you could see the beauty that Jesus did. I want with everything in me that this close becomes the beginning and the opening and the start of a new life for you with Jesus Christ and God the Father with the presence of His Holy Spirit with you and around you to talk to you, to lead you, to guide you. Listen, I'm a man's man. Call me a sissy and I'll knock you out. <laughs> but I love the fact that God promises to take us by the hand. If you think there's anything wimpy about me, after dinner, meet me. <laughs> I might be a lot shorter than you, but I could kick. <laughs> and I know where to kick. But I love the fact that the God of the universe literally wants to take me by the hand. Wants to lead me and guide me, speak life into me. And when you say yes to Jesus Christ, you're saying yes 
I have a need. You're saying yes. I've had some failures. You're saying yes. I want you to invite me. I want to be at that wedding banquet. When you say yes to Jesus Christ today, you're saying yes to letting God love you and override you with His grace, His redemption, His perfect plan because God has a perfect plan for each and every one of us. Amen. When you say yes to accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you're saying yes to the only person who really understands how you're wired and how you're put together. The closest people to me have hurt me. And I don't say that as a victim. It's a fact of every one of us. You can pledge to love someone for the rest of your life and you'll hurt them and they'll hurt you. But if there's somebody who gets the way I'm wired and doesn't need an explanation, <laughs> the people you love the most, when you open up your heart, don't you have to spend time explaining to them? Well, this is what I mean. And then the terms you use have different definitions and paradigms to them. And so you gotta find words around the words to explain so that they understanding the intimate expression of what you're feeling. What I love about God is He just reads right through me and understands. David, King David the Psalmist, penned these words. He knows how we are formed. He knows everything that put a kink in me. He knows everything that put a dent in me. He knows everything that put a bruise on me. He knows everything that put a smart in my emotions. And he understands how we're formed. He reads us right. And so today, I pray that this close becomes your opening. As you're seated here right now, I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes, but open your heart and open your mind. You've been kind enough to listen to me, and I appreciate that so much. And I respect the fact that you're in a foreign place, and you let this stranger speak to you before he feeds you. I appreciate that you gave me the due diligence. But I honestly want to give you the best thing I can give anyone. I want to give you Jesus, not religion. And so while every eye is closed, if the Spirit of God is talking to you right now, and I know He is, if the words of God are resonating in your heart, don't find an excuse of why you've got to test ride your 10 oxen or why you've got to visit your house in the Hamptons. Don't find an excuse to avoid the opportunity to sit at the banquet table with the lamb because you wouldn't find an excuse to sit at the banquet table with the goat. Right now, while eyes are closed, those of you and a willing to say yes to Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about joining this church. 
I'm just talking about letting the God of the universe love you enough to invite him into your life. Raise your hand right now if you're willing to do that. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. I see that hand. Those two hands up the front. Up the back, I see that hand. A husband and wife over here to my left. I see your hand. Behind you, another person. I see this lady in the black, this young lady in the orange. Thank you. You can put your hands down. If there are others today, you want to accept Christ. This is the greatest moment. There are two births that really count. Your natural birth and then being born again into Jesus. Today, people are being born again, halfway through life and being born again, born into God, born into His love, born into His opportunity. I'm gonna ask everyone to stand with me right now, right where you are, would you stand? I'm gonna ask everyone to repeat this prayer with me. But those of you who raised your hands, you know who you are, especially in your heart. With purpose and intention, this prayer is really for you. And I want you to repeat this prayer and I'm gonna tell you ahead of time before you pray it, because I'm not into tricking anybody. We're gonna say something like this, God, I believe you are. Somehow, you believe in me and love me. I don't get all of this, but I sense you love me. And I know I need you. And then we're going to say something like, Jesus Christ, I believe you are God. And you died on that cross for me. And yes, I've screwed up. I've sinned. I've made plenty of mistakes. Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Live inside of me and live through me. And then we're going to thank him for doing that. You see, Jesus said if you come to God, you have to come with the faith of a child. I've led thousands of people through a simple air-filled prayer like this. That in the natural, you could think it didn't go any higher than the roof. And then I've watched their lives explode and change for the better. And I've seen joy come into their hearts. So while I'm about to lead you in a very childlike faith, wouldn't it be just like the God of the universe to put no obstacles? You don't need academia to come to God. You don't have to figure out the physics and the science of the world. He makes it as simple, as simple as can be so that there's no reason to make an excuse. And if you didn't raise your hand yet, but you're thinking about it, then as we pray this prayer, pray it with resolution. Pray it with the intentionality that even though you did not raise your hand, you want Jesus in your heart. Now I'm going to ask everyone to pray it, but those of you who raised your hand, I recognize, I saw, and I thank you. And you're going to say it with purpose. I would love if sometime throughout this meal, afterwards, you come to me, say hello, I'd love to talk to you. We do run uh, a class where we give away a 
a free Bible and a notebook and some uh, Bible studies. We feed you every Sunday after church. You know, not obligatory. It's complimentary. If you want to take this further, we're willing to walk with you and take you further. But right now, let's do the good thing and ask Jesus. Everyone close your eyes and repeat after me. Dear God, I believe that you are. And somehow, you care. And so Jesus Christ, I welcome you into my life today. Not religion, relationship. I want relationship with God my Father through you, Jesus Christ, and by your Holy Spirit. Jesus, no surprise, I made a lot of mistakes. And I have a few things hidden in my closet. But you already knew that. And you still love me. Jesus, you were born in a manger. And you did die on a cross. Now I'm opening up my life. So that you could live in there. Live with me. Live through me. Live in me. Jesus, I'm sorry for all my mistakes. Now help me to live your kind of life and live it through me. Thank you, God, for bringing me here today. And thank you for sending Jesus Christ to save me. I accept the greatest invitation of all time. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you raised your hand today and prayed that, if you didn't raise your hand, but you really prayed that with purpose, would you please tell someone, I would love to meet you. I would love to talk to you for a couple of moments. But I want to congratulate you on honestly best decision best decision listen I know I could make a lot more money working in the world there's only one reason I do this there's nothing I'm sold on like I am sold on Jesus Amen. tested and tried my whole life and I gave him something to work with <laughs> and it wasn't a lot yeah Church, at least six or seven people raise their hands today. What do you all say to that? Come on. Come on. Give it up. Yes. 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 